Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. It's good to be in the house of God. I, I'm thankful to be here. Thankful to see all of you, those that are watching online. Uh, it's, uh, it's a blessing to have uh, Randy and Sue, our good friends, with us. Uh, we have been partners in ministry for, what, 40 years? Partners in crime, but we won't get into that. Uh, it's good to be in the house of God. I, I want to talk to you today about something. I actually want to do more teaching than preaching. Uh, teaching, I heard, is when you tell it, and preaching is when you yell it. Uh, but I, I, I want to do a little more teaching today. I want to talk about peace. Isaiah 9, 6, we're talking about who Jesus is, and, and the Bible tells us in Isaiah 9, 6, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You ever want peace in your life? I have found that the older I, I get, the more peace I really want in my life. When I was in my 20s, it didn't really matter. I could go anywhere, do anything. We could, you could work eight hours, go home, play basketball, run around until two or three in the morning, and then get up and go do it again. It didn't really matter. When you're in your 20s, you can pretty much do anything you want at any time you want. Then you get in your 30s, and you start getting little kids, and peace becomes a little more personal. And if somebody wants you to do something, you have to say, well, you know, I'll think about that. Then you get into your 40s and beyond, and it's like, I'm not doing it. Because your peace is more important than anything else. Peace is something that you appreciate the more time you have on this earth and in life. I, I, sometimes I think about when Jesus was in the, in the ship, and, and Jesus was asleep in the ship and the disciples were upset because because he was asleep when the storm was uh, arose and they thought that they were going to be drowned and, and consumed and, and they went and woke Jesus up and Jesus famous words was when he stood on the bow of the ship was peace be still I always thought that Jesus was speaking peace to the wind and the waves but perhaps he was speaking I just want some peace just be still I'm teasing <laughs> our God is a God of peace look, look what Romans 15.33 says now the God of peace be with all of you not just may the God of uh, the peace of God but the God of peace. You cannot separate God and peace. God has never been anxious for anything. He's never been nervous. He's never been perplexed. He has never seen a situation on this earth in your life or anybody else's life that he said, oh my, ugh, I don't know what to do. God always knows because he's omniscient and he always has all power God never has less than perfect peace there's never a time when God is without the calm assurance that all is well that does not mean that he agrees with everything it doesn't mean that, that he is going to condone everything it does mean that 
He is always in control, always will be in control, and nothing is beyond his power to change. Can I say this? I, I know I was going to teach, and I'm already jumping into meddling. If you're here today and you think that your life is out of control, it may be for you, but it's not for him. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. It's a matter of what he knows. And he is omniscient. He's all-powerful. God can do anything. And he said that he would never leave you nor forsake you. So this peace of God, he is a God of peace. Romans 16, 20 says this, And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under his feet. Patience and peace work hand in glove. You can't have peace without patience. And you can't have patience without peace. If you're an impatient person, you're not going to have peace. And if you don't have peace, you will not have patience. One of the great phrases in the Old Testament is, and it's repeated, I forget how many times, but it says, it came to pass. Sometimes we look at that phrase and we say, oh, it came to pass. But look what it really means. It came to go away. It's here today, but it'll be gone tomorrow. Whatever you're facing today doesn't really matter because it's here today but tomorrow it will be gone and what will remain is the God of peace so nothing material in this life is, is eternal and nothing is out of God's control look what 1 Corinthians 14 33 says for, for God is not a God of confusion but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. Confusion is instability, it's disorder, it's insurrection. It's, it's not knowing and just blindly walking and making your own decisions. Because life and the situations that we find ourselves in in this life is, are full of disorder. It's full of chaos. This world is full of confusion. And the only way to have peace is to have the God of peace residing in your heart. Life can throw you a curveball. You ever had life throw you a curveball and disrupt your life? And it seems like everything in your life is upside down and, and you're full of anxiety. The Bible says so many times, fear not. You know why it says fear not? Because we are full of anxiety. We fear, we think. That's why Matthew 6, 33, Jesus says, Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all the other things will be added. He, what his, Jesus was trying to help us understand is it's our relationship with God, with the God of peace, because you will not find peace anywhere else than in the arms of God. And when... You're in the ship with Jesus. It doesn't matter what the winds and the waves are doing. Because he has peace, you can have peace. Philippians 4, 7 says this, And the peace of God, 
which surpasses all comprehension. Simply means that you can't figure it out. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how much experience you have. If you have the peace of God, you can have it in a situation where people will look at you and say, why are you so calm? Because I have the peace of God. Can you explain that to me? No, I cannot. The peace of God, it keeps us, it sustains us, it directs us, it encourages us. God's peace is the only thing, the only thing in this world that will keep you in the times of stress. It's the God of peace. You say, well, I would kind of like to have that peace. Well, I'm glad you asked that. Because peace can be found, and peace is found not at Walmart or Target for those that are, are more expensive shoppers, Target. Uh, peace is found in the kingdom of God. Look what Romans 14, 17 says. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not the material things of this life, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy. Are you ready for this? In the Holy Spirit. If you want the peace of God, you have to ha be in the Holy Spirit. See, true peace is in a life controlled by the Holy Spirit, not a life of understanding about the Holy Spirit, because the key is having a life in the Spirit and not with the Spirit. There is a difference between having a life in the Spirit of God and a life with the Spirit of God. Life with the Spirit is a mindful understanding that, that He is there and He's reminded, and you have to remind yourself to do what you think the Spirit desires. You understand in the Holy Spirit, and, and I know the Holy Spirit is around me, but life in the Spirit is a life that is controlled by the Spirit, that your whole existence is wrapped up in the Spirit of God, that you're not just walking with a mental comprehension or ascension, that you believe that there is a Holy Spirit, but you have been baptized in that Spirit, that Spirit lives in you, it gives you life, it speaks to you, it whispers to you, it encourages you, it guides your every single day. There is a difference in being walking with an understanding of what the Holy Spirit is and being saturated, filled to overflowing with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the only way, the only way anybody has ever been saturated and baptized in the Holy Spirit is through, are you ready for this? It's a word we don't like to use anymore. I'll say it quietly. Obedience. Obedience. Submission. You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit unless you submit your ways to Him. But you say, but I like my ways. Well, that's good. You should try the ways of the Spirit. And here's the thing about it requires obedience and submission. Because the Holy Spirit will speak to you and tell you to do some stupid things. Or what we perceive as stupid. 
like talking to people we don't know. Why would we want to do that? Or paying for the person in the grocery store line that's behind you. Why would I want to do that? I don't know them. The Holy Spirit will lead us, guide us, but you have to be obedient to that voice. And to be obedient to the voice, you have to be submissive. That simply means that the will of the Father is more important and has authority in our lives. In the Spirit is a Spirit-controlled life. Hearing what the Spirit wants. The difference is, Paul on a missions trip, which was with the Spirit, he wanted to go on a missions trip. He wanted the world to know about, about Christ. So he's out. He's doing. He's working. He's serving. That's with the Spirit. In the Spirit is hearing the voice, the Macedonian call. This says, I want you to go here and not there. See, there is a difference in serving God your way and serving God his way. And if you want true peace, you're not going to find it serving God your way. You're only going to find it in a surrendered, obedient life that the Spirit of God is directing. And here's the truth. Here's where I really want to get. I only have 20 minutes. Actually, 15 if we want to be out on time, but we'll fudge. Are you ready for this? We get to determine how much peace we have in our hearts. You say, no, wait a minute. I thought it was the peace of God. It is. But you get to determine how much of that peace you want. You know what usually determines it with me? How bad my situation really is. Because I'm like everybody else in here. You can, you can put your life on autopilot and you can keep on going and just keep on going and then something happens that causes you to take the wheel and it causes you to rethink and it causes you to dig deep with God. Here's what Paul said to the church in Colossae in Colossians 3.15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Allow the peace of God to rule in your hearts. Are you, are you, do you hear that? We do the allowing. We do the letting. And what are we allowing? Are we allowing the peace in our heart? No. We're uh, allowing the peace of God to rule in our hearts. To be the primary source of judgment. It's the plumb line on, on which everything is measured. The peace of God. And we get to determine how much of that peace we have in our lives. And it comes through obedience and submission. Rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. And in, in Colossians 3, Paul gives two 
and I, I, would get, I would encourage you to read this. Paul gives two commands that are dealing with our relationships to one another in this chapter. The first is, is love. He talks about that we need to love, and he talks about that agape love, he, and it's referencing regarding forgiveness and forbearing. Uh, you can find that relationship in, second, uh, in Philippians chapter 2, where 1 through 12, where Paul is talking to the church in Philippi, and he is giving this great discourse on what it is to love one another, and that we should love one another as Christ loved us, that set aside everything in his own life, his own preference, his own opinion, and he followed the will of the Father, and he did that so you could have peace. And it's interesting in this chapter that in verse 15, Paul uses, and let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. That's the second thing. The first thing is love. The second thing is peace. And yet, this is interesting because he is not talking about the individual. He's talking about the collective. He's talking about the church. He's talking about when we get together, our rule is peace. Peace is a call to harmony within the church. Paul uses the, the term peace often. Peace is shalom. It is that, that quiet disposition that comes from a surrendered life to the lordship of Christ. But in this verse, it's significant in that it speaks to the collective and not to the individual. Paul's thought is harmony as a group serving one another as Christ served us in our need being lowly being temperate esteeming others greater than ourselves these are the things that Paul spoke of in Ephesians 2 that brought peace not just love but peace within the body and peace is to rule as the collective heart of the church the word peace is the same word that we get our term umpire. When you have baseball and you have the umpire, it's the umpire that is the one that officiates and calls strikes and calls balls and says that a person is out or a person is safe. It's, it's the umpire that makes all the judgment calls. And Paul is trying to help us understand in Colossians 3.15 that, that peace is to be the umpire of our relationship to one another. Allow God's peace to decide your actions and your words. It's very simple. Paul says in, in, in Colossians 3.15, allow peace to be your deciding factor. If your words will not bring unity, they should not be said. If your conduct does not affirm peace, you should not act. Paul is very clear. Allow peace to be the ruling factor among the brethren. 
And God's peace is received by us. We allow it. We, we take it in. I know that humanity, you and I, are, are kind of like that, that, that glass of water. That if I want to add some peace, I must pour, pour out something else to put something in. I was once told that a, a person's like a densely populated city. Before you can build something new, you must first tear something down. We get to allow peace to be our rule and our guide. But the things that we have to tear down is our own ego. The things that we have to let go of is what we want rather than what God wants. It's important that we understand that peace never comes and will never be without a surrendered life that is in the Spirit. It comes through obedience and it comes through submission to God. It's not our peace, but God's peace. See, Christ is the one that broke down that, that wall, that middle wall of petition, that, that, that wall of hostility with, which kept us away from our Creator, our sin. And what is sin? But charting your own course, doing your own thing, feeling like you are right. And Christ broke that down. He died for us while we were yet sinners. And the blood of Christ has removed the sin and the separation between us and our Creator. Now we can boldly walk into the very presence of God and make our requests and petitions known. It's not because of our goodness. It's because of the blood of Christ that brought peace. Paul says if you want to look like Christ, if you want to act like Christ, then do away with your selfishness and become selfless and allow the peace of God to rule and make the deciding factors in your relationships with one another. Because the reality is we will allow or deny peace to rule our hearts. There's no middle ground. You either allow the peace of God or you deny the peace of God. It's heart. It's passion. It's emotion. I'm not speaking of thoughts, but feelings. See, feelings produce thoughts. Feelings of love produce kindness. Feelings of bitterness develop resentment. But the peace of God is a tranquility between people between nations. I mean, we live in a world of strife in the Middle East is just on fire right now. And it's because people don't have peace. In fact, the last days, it says that we, that men will be crying for peace and then sudden destruction. Don't look for peace. Whoa, my, mm. Don't look for peace in this world because it's not 
going to happen. It's going to increase in, in terror. It's going to increase in hostility. It's going to increase in anger. It's going to increase in hatred. People are going to turn against one another. People are going to hate one another. And the only way to find peace is in the house of God with your brothers and sisters. So following the path of peace. You ever been out in the woods and you see the paths where the deer go and, and you just kind of follow those paths? Following the path of peace is a choice. You get to choose. And it's that peace of Christ that is the environment on which we make our decisions. And here's the truth. You cannot choose how others will act. You can't do it. You can't make me act a certain way. I cannot make you act a certain way. That's not the issue. You cannot determine how the world acts. You can only determine how you act. Are you acting in peace through a surrendered life in the Holy Spirit? Or are you reacting in a negative way? You can't determine to choose what others will say, but you can determine how you respond. The Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. See, the peace of God is free to all. But you have to take it. I used to, when I, back years ago, when dinosaurs roamed the land, and I would, and I would teach uh, a chapel service every once in a while, I would have like a $5 bill. That's when a $5 bill meant something. You could hang out with it. It was yours. You say, what are you going to do today? I'm hanging out with my $5. You may iron it, look at it. Oh. It's five dollars. And every once in a while I would say to the students, look at my five dollars. And I would hold it up, and they'd all and I'd say, Would you like it? And, and everybody in the room, oh yeah, I'd love that five dollars. And I said, Man, it's mine. Here, you can have it. And I would just hold it there. And you'd be amazed at how many people would not get until somebody realized, I'm going to take this guy at his word and would get up and take the $5. And then everybody else says, man, I wish I had $5. Well, get off your seat and come get it. It's there. The peace of God is the same thing. Jesus is saying, I've already made peace. And if you want peace with one another, if you want peace in your own life, if you want that peace that passes your comprehension, here it is. You just have to move from your position 
and take mine. You just have to move from your point of view and take my point of view. You just have to move from a self-willed life to a selfless life. And when you do that, the peace of God is yours. Joseph was mistreated by his brothers and he chose reconciliation and forgiveness. Isn't that amazing? God could have chosen judgment for our sins, but chose rather for Christ to be our prince of peace, that we can have peace with him. There's one other passage in, in the, there's three letters, or three words rather, in Colossians 3.15 that are so easily overlooked and yet we have to understand them in order to get the full brevity of what Paul is saying. He says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you were called to be to peace. You were called to it. That's your, that's your calling is for peace. And he says, and be thankful. Does anybody else remember Conjunction Junction once your function? Schoolhouse rock. Ah, you're feeling the spirit in that, aren't you? And it is a conjunction. What do conjunctions do? They combine two things together. You've got to allow the peace of God to rule in your hearts and be thankful. You can't be thankless and have peace and yet that, that term thankful that's the only term that's the only time that that particular word is used in the entire New Testament this is what it really means to become thankful people in other words work on it because I have never known anybody that on their own, apart from Christ, is a truly thankful person. Some people are a lot better at it than others. Some people don't know what the word means. But you can't have peace without learning to be thankful. To become thankful people. The idea is that, that thankfulness points us to an understanding that all things are provided in Christ. And it's a lack of peace is usually the result of self-seeking or general dissatisfaction. And yet, when we become thankful, thankful people can have peace. Thankful that people are kind thankful that people are forgiving learning to be thankful thanking God for what you have instead of complaining what you don't have thanking God for your brothers and sisters 
in Christ as opposed to wanting them to be different. That wasn't in the notes. But somebody needs to hear that. Let me say it in good, straightforward talk. Stop trying to make people what you think they should be and be thankful that they're your brother and sister in Christ. I'm going to ask our praise team to please come back. So it's peace with God through Christ. Peace with one another by Christ. And the two things that you have to have is a surrendered life to to God and a heart of thankfulness. Can Can I share something with you? God's plan for your life is always going to have some turmoil. It's one of the ingredients that he throws in there. He says, I'm going to give them some some love. I'm going to throw in some goodness. Hey, look at this. Turmoil. I think he slipped sometimes in my life and just like dropped the whole thing in. Whoop. Turmoil. Why would God want turmoil in your life? Because turmoil gives you and I an opportunity to number one, be thankful for the things we do have and two, to develop a heart of peace through surrender to his will and not ours. Paul said, may the God of peace rule and reign in your heart. The winds and the waves of life are going to attack. That's just going to happen. That's the world in which we live. But we get to choose how much peace we have in our lives. And it comes through a life surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me? This is what Paul said in, in Hebrews twelve fourteen, And I know there are scholars that says, well, maybe Paul didn't write it. Um, I'm just going to agree to disagree. You can be wrong if you want. Hebrews 12, 14 says this. Follow peace with all men and holiness, which without no man shall see the Lord. Isn't that amazing? That peace and holiness are prerequisites seeing God God has called us you and I as a body of believers to pursue peace I want to challenge you today to find something to be thankful for in each and every person around you and I I, I want to challenge you today before you leave this sanctuary as we sing this song, we have closing comments. When Pastor Sam says, you're dismissed, would you find at least three people 
and to say, I am thankful for you and tell them why. It will transform your life. Father, we thank you.